Hello, welcome to the Gentle Rebel podcast, where we're all about playing with ways to navigate life's harsher edges with a spirit of compassionate creativity. I'm Andy Morton, a sound artist, songwriter and slow coach, and I love helping people to understand and engage with their natural internal rhythms and processes using creativity and play so they can make sustainable progress on meaningful pursuits without getting overwhelmed, shutting down or burning out. I hope you're doing well. In this week's episode, I'm going to share a conversation that I had a little while ago uh, with someone called Rashid Hughes. Um, Now, Rashid uh, describes his work as bridging the worlds of contemplative practice and collective care. He's a proud graduate of the Howard University Department of Music and the Howard University School of Divinity and is now a certified mindfulness teacher, uh, yoga instructor and restorative justice facilitator. Um, And Rashid's perspectives flow from the two wisdom traditions of contemplative and restorative practices. And I really wanted to speak to him after coming across his name um, in a post on Instagram that was shared by Mary Freer uh, of the uh, Compassion Revolution. Um, And I was was sort of scrolling, scrolling along the feed and my my eye was caught by this uh, this post that talked about uh, rest. Um, and these pillars of rest that Rashid has built his ideas around. Um, And it was, uh, yeah, kind of spoke about the fact that during the COVID pandemic, uh, Rashid had created a contemplative practice, uh, rest, R-E-S-T, a practice for the tired and weary to provide practical means for people to find clarity and confidence in the midst of uh, devastating and uncertain times. Um, So a lot of these words were like, ah, Yes, this is <laughs> this is like looking in a mirror to some degree, um, and so I was just really sort of taken by what I what I then read, and I, I visited Rashid's website, and I was like, yes, this I have to reach out and, and see if he's up for a conversation. Um, so we exchanged a few emails, and uh, before we kind of met on Zoom to speak, uh, he sent me an article that he'd written called "The Great Bypass: Resting in the Aliveness of Being." Um, and when I read that article, I was like, yes, this is like perfect um, to, to kind of build the conversation around. So I, I thought, yeah, we'll frame, we'll, we'll use this as a loose structure for the, for the things that we talk about because it's uh, kind of so rich with uh, what I imagine to be the practices and the philosophy that Rashid uh, subscribes to. You know, a lot of my work these days is really about learning how to rest, you know, our being, right? Which is shifting for me was a huge shift because before that, a lot of my path was about becoming. And what meditation has done and what more um, contemplative teachings have offered me is an invitation to slow down to look within and to to develop a a quality of being rather than um, actualizing this particular, um, you know, point on uh, a spiritual hierarchy of holiness or perfection.
I relate to a lot of the aspects that Rashid describes in his own sort of personal journey as he's kind of explored different parts on his path. Um, there's something about this difference as well between resting in being versus getting swept up in the pursuit of becoming, which is something I explore a lot in my own work as well. And I love how Rashid seeks not to reject these paths that can lead us away from rest, you know, restful rest in being but to become aware of how we travel those paths to allow them to be illuminated by something else and the first part of the article that Rashid uh, wrote and sent to me um, says this without a doubt if there's one tangible benefit that has emerged from my contemplative journey over the last decade it's been in my capacity to be more honest with myself not honest in the conventional sense of not lying but an honesty that is alive and active. A type of commitment to working with the real mundane facts of my life with as much clarity and compassion as possible. And like many contemplatives or meditators, my spiritual practice, which is a marriage of many different paths, has provided me with great skills to better hold all of my humanity in all of its complexity and messiness as sacred, total, whole and worthy of honour and attention. One re-emerging question has been alive in me since my first meditation retreat years ago and has slowly begun to pervade my consciousness more intensely over the last three or four years. At what point does my spiritual practice create space for me to actually rest and just be? To rest not as lying down or napping or sleeping, although this type of rest is sacred and essential, but the rest that I feel Jesus was illuminating when he was recorded to have said, come all of you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. I use the word illuminating because it seems as though Jesus is pointing out a dimension of reality that had been overlooked and forgotten by some. This pointing is an invitation for those listening to return or awaken to a dimension of reality that was already here but had unfortunately been bypassed. If I were to translate that phrase through my contemplative eye, it would read something like, let your attention relax, come into the aliveness of your being, me. And if you learn to abide, there you will find rest. You know, like like I said in that quote, for, for many years, when I first began my, um, I would just say more contemplative inner inner work um, on my on my path. You know, even though I had I had kind of shifted out of the, you know, more fundamental Christian um, progressive approach to, you know, kind of like perfecting myself in a sense and and, and, and purifying my sins in a sense even though I had shifted out of that, the momentum of striving and efforting to better myself was still alive in me. And what I mean by that, even though at this point I may have been sitting on a meditation cushion or I may be an out in nature, um, the, the underlying energy that was driving me was that the way I was at this point or the way I am now it's not enough. So therefore I need to apply these particular practices in order to get to the place 
of being okay or 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 being or being you know uh spiritual or being well right um so there were there came a point in my in my journey where I began to really consider the possibility that you know the Buddhist teachings, um, the Hindu uh, philosophical traditions that root us and ground us in this basic fundamental goodness that we are already is is alive and existing in and as me as this great potential. I begin to really take that and consider that to be true. And as I begin to do that, what I noticed was there was less of the tendency to 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 um, exert um, lots of effort in order to arrive in order to gain something as if something was absent. And my effort then began to shift more so into learning how to release and release effort, right? So rather than building up effort to kind of like hook or get or or grasp on, it was more so, okay, how can I use the gift of effort to help me to actually shift out of that mode of becoming in order that I might discover myself in this just aliveness of, of presence of being. So for me, I guess, so rest, I mean, it's, it's always evolving. I don't, I don't have like a definition for it, even though I have my four pillars framework, but for, for me, rest is, is more so a, awareness of the way things are and, and our ability uh, to establish, um, establish this, a posture from this, this knowing that um, our very being is the ground of, I guess you could say truth, or our very being is the happiness that we yearn for, the freedom that we yearn for. It's, it's this, it's, it's, uh, uh, it's what's aware of sounds, it's what's aware of sensations, it's aware of, of my heart, the joy, the heartbreak. It's aware of that emptiness that I was pointing to, uh, that I was becoming sensitive to early on in my journey. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's not separate from, um, any aspect of life. Right. Um, so I guess, you know, this, when I, when I'm using the word rest is, is pointing to just, I guess, several layers of, of, of learning how to release, um, ourselves from the momentum of becoming, but also it, it's also the, the the self knowing that our presence is naturally whole, uh, and I you know I, I would I would also say um, unlimited by uh, uh, any feedback or uh, any any uh, sensory uh, limitations that we might experience in the world. Mm. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned your, the four pillars of rest. Um, yeah. It'd be great to hear more about that. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I you know, a couple of years ago, as I, as I was beginning to really, I guess, as these teachings were becoming more alive in, in me, 
um, you know, I decided to create uh, a framework that might support people in unhooking from the momentum of 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 kind of like always being in the space of of grasping on to something uh, in order that they might become who they need to be. So I, you know, I tried to say, okay, what's the simplest way for me to point people back to their fundamental aliveness that's always resting here? So I used the word rest and created an acronym and the R stands for relax the attention and release. The E stands for exhale all striving, empty. The S stands for uh, sense the silence and surrender. And the T stands for tune into awareness and trust. So, you know, basically all of these acronyms, these short phrases are basically pointers back to what's here when we let go of the striving. Mm. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's that striving, isn't it? The stories that we cling on to that tell us about, uh, I suppose, our road to value and self-worth and those kinds mm. of things that it's like, well, no, you're not quite there. You need to become this next thing. Um, mm -hmm. And um, it's always just perpetually just out of reach. <laughs> There's always yeah. something else, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's always in that next moment. Exactly. Yeah. Or it's always if this one emotion might leave, then I'll be myself. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Or or if if this tendency, if this shame, if it if it would just go away, then I'll I'll fully be whole or I'll fully be me. Right. Mm, and it exactly. doesn't it doesn't and it, and you know it this you know it's important to name that it doesn't mean that we can't do our work of tending to all that is right which may include heartbreak that may include trauma that may include uh any 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 manifestation of suffering right so we it's it's not to bypass that in order to arrive at being but it's to to notice that being is not um is not tarnished by our humanity so therefore we can we can open to the fullness of what's of 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 who we are on 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 every level right from from the basic you know you know our mistakes you know practical mistakes or 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 habits that that cause harm to people or um ideas of separation and oppression um, like we we can open to we can look at those things, but we're looking from a place of clarity, and and a place of um, of deep uh, sensitivity that allows us to 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 see that those are just fleeting um, ripples moving through us, and part of our work once we really begin to touch this aliveness, this beingness, is that we we sh we should align our our entire life according to to this this deeper knowing right so that means that we we should 
open ourselves to our hearts. We should look at how we treat people. We should look at uh, the values that define how we show up in the world, right? Mm -hmm. we, sh we, sh we should be looking at all of those things from the, the, the deep knowing um, that illuminates it all, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love that word, illuminate as well. It's, um, I think it's, because th there's often this, um, I don't know, antagonism or like this conflict that people might think, well, you know, if you stop striving, then what do you do? And it's like, actually, what I'm hearing you say there is this kind of deep knowing, this deep sensitivity, this awareness, this presence. Um comes from ultimately a, a place of acceptance and accepting that you are accepted before you you do anything so it's the striving is um, those things that we attach to in order to gain acceptance it we think oh, once I get there I'll be accepted or acceptable um, and actually grounding ourselves in that in that place of I guess it's grace it's you are accepted regardless of what you do um actually then fuels you to to go and do all sorts of stuff without it having that um yeah that sort of i don't know that expectation pinned to it that, oh, that i'm going to be whole and complete if i once i go and do that thing yeah yeah i mean i think that's right on and you know i look at it as that you know um I think it's 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 cool to be able to to notice that we can actually in our outer manifestation be participating in the same in in one action but from two different uh places of understanding, right? So so it's like prior to my uh I guess me touching into you know, my my own fundamental um, goodness, my own fundamental wholeness, you know. Um, my spiritual path was about getting rid of the dirt, basically, or transcending my humanity in order that I may become whole, right? Now, I still tend to the dirt or that which needs to be uprooted because I understand that it's actually um, contributing to ways of relating and being in the world that that create more harm and divisiveness, right? But I'm not doing it in order to complete myself. I'm doing it from a place of awareness and understanding and love, right? Mm -hmm. So the work looks very similar but the view is now rooted in this fundamental clarity that everything matters, right? Not just my awareness of of being, but my every 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 thought matters, every my speech matters, all of my actions matter, the feelings I hold in my being matter, right? So it's it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't permit us it doesn't like take us off the hook of 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 opening and 
being active in the world. But we, it's kind of like our, the foundation from which we act is, is more grounded in presence, awareness, love, compassion, all, all of those, those qualities of the heart that are often blocked when we're stuck in the, in the momentum of fixing. really loved this insight. The perspective broadens out to recognise how we contribute to the world we're part of creating. And the world we create isn't just about what we do, um, but it's in how we hold what we do and why we do it. Um, That completely changes the values that we hold about ourselves, other people, um, and that world that we are, you know, interested in building together. And I think this really speaks to a lot of I guess the religiosity that comes into um, all areas of life, really, not just traditional faith and spiritual practices, but in how we engage with things like, um, I don't know, social justice, political activism. Um, you know, are we approaching it with that sort of hierarchical understanding that um, separates us from one another? It paves a way for acceptance and holiness within the path that we're on. So you're kind of like, I have to do things in a certain way. I have to be seen um, saying things in a in a particular way or doing things um, doing particular things, or are we tending to this change? Are we sweeping our dirt away and and kind of caring about this stuff because actually we've seen and known it to be the right thing to do? And how does that change then the relationship that we have with other people and with ourselves? Again, it's coming back to that that place of of grace really accepting that we are accepted before we do anything as opposed to um, kind of being on that quest for acceptance by doing the right things Um, again it's that difference between fitting in and belonging where fitting in is uh, kind of underpinned by this question what do I have to do in order to gain the approval of um, such and such a um, person or group or whatever um, versus belonging which is I belong because I'm here. Now, what do I do uh, with that profound truth? And this really takes us into a helpful discussion um, that kind of emerged in our conversation about the idea of accountability uh, and what it means to be accountable in this sense. Uh, This was this next part of the conversation. There was some ah, proper aha moments for me. So, um, yes, I hope you enjoy this. For me, at this point, it's like I have to be accountable now to how I show up in the world, to how I speak, to how I engage with people, because I have this understanding now, right? So there's a there's a deeper level of a a, a sense of account that I'm accountable to the earth. I'm accountable to to um, human beings, I'm accountable to animal beings, I'm accountable to my environment, right? So it's, 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 a, it's a deep practice of relationality that is infused with our awareness of our fundamental shared being as well, right? Mm. So it's not just 
I connect with my own aliveness and I learn to rest in this aliveness and I develop this deep insight into my limitlessness and my inherent goodness and my inherent freedom. But if that insight doesn't, you know, expand back out into the world, then it's incomplete, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, it's all feeding into that. You know, we are wired for connection. We are wired for belonging. We are social creatures. And actually, if that spiritual practice or that, you know, spiritual insight is something you hoard just for yourself, as you say, that is incomplete. The loop is not, the circle is not fulfilled. And I'm yeah. really interested in that word accountable. Um, and I'd love to hear what what does that accountability feel like because that's it's a word that probably carries a bit of baggage for people and and I think I'm sensing that there's a there's a real freedom in how you're describing this um this feeling and stuff but that yeah that word accountable what, what does that mean well for for me just like in this context I would say I'm using the word accountability meaning that that there's a deep sensitivity to what I am putting out by my with my presence. And I'm responsible for making sure that my vibrational frequency is coming from a place that does not allow me to separate myself from my internal life or from anything in the world right mm. so it's it's a it's a it's like a fine tuning right mm. where where we like it's it's like a a, a this inner this inner light this inner mirror where the world becomes a reflection of who we are and if uh, if we're to really talk about freedom and liberation then we must have this this sensitivity to hear and see how our world is 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 speaking to us what our world is needing and doing the work of uprooting and disrupting any tendencies that actually um, cause harm, that actually um, creates um, this 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 ability to ignore and say that these group of people or or uh, or the planet doesn't actually my actions don't actually impact them. You know, it doesn't allow us to turn our eyes a, 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 away from from any any part of our life, right? Mm. And that's the accountability that I'm I'm talking about. I'm, I'm is is really pointing to that we are responsible for creating the the type of world that we want to live in and that we want our descendants to live in, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes so much sense. Yeah, yeah it's like accountability is that, as you said, attunement and alignment 
between what you the, that awareness within as you sort of engage with the world and you see these things going on it's like i can't look away from that like mm -hmm. and so that accountability is like a a feeling uh a nudge a yeah something that just shows you that thing and it's yeah. stark sort of yeah, yeah it's, it, i think of it as, it's kind of like what is the world pointing back to us mm. what is the world revealing in us right the 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 beautiful the beautiful qualities of who we are, but also those qualities that that still need um, to be seen and held with with more awareness and compassion within us, right? Yeah. So it's it's kind of like as we begin to move in the world, and we engage on just our daily activities, conversations, when we're with family, when we're with at at work or whatever, when when we're out in nature, like what are our hearts saying, right? And are we developing the the practice of listening to that genuine knowing, that light within us that is always pointing us to both our 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 goodness, but also those those tendencies that may still need to um, really fully be be looked at, right? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. that's cool yeah oh, i love this conversation yeah and just to i guess circle back around to the article um where you wrote you talk about um yeah inquiry i'm really intrigued by this this notion of inquiry you write i'm hoping to provide an opportunity here for us to engage slowly and passionately around this question what is this aliveness of being that is here right now as our aware presence and you say i offer up this inquiry not as a recipe for awakening or any particular experience but for the sake of inquiring into the beingness of being itself i hope to invite and inspire a desire to become curious about what it is that knows our experience to shift our attention to being um so yeah what do you mean by inquiry um and I get the sense that it is this that you observe used that that word bypass is, is in the title of the, um, of the article. And you kind of observe that inquiry is bypassed by certain tendencies, um, maybe certain things in our modern world. Um, so I'd love you to speak to that. And also what does this inquiry approach help us bypass? When I call it the great bypass, the bypass that I'm pointing to is how it can become so easy to to um, get caught up on perfecting our how do I say this? We can it's it's easy on the spiritual path to get lost in the doing, mm -hmm. right? working with our thoughts, right? Um, creating better thoughts, right? Opening our hearts, right? Opening our chakras, all of those things which are really important, right? Um, we can really get lost in those things. And we can go our whole journeys without taking the time to inquire into what is that which is aware of the thoughts 
what's that which is aware of our hearts you know what is it that knows when we have a good night's sleep or when we don't have such a good night's sleep right what is that that knows when we're when we're sad or or knows when we're lonely right and it does that which is aware of all of these happenings these experience these experiences does that change with every experience right and is is it ever absent from experience right and is it separate from who we are right so the bypassing is focusing only on directing our attention to the different elements of our experience, but never, like I, I point to in my Four Pillars of Rest framework, the R, relaxing our attention and releasing our attention and noticing what remains when our attention is released from all end goal expectations or becoming, right? So that's the bypassing, mm. right? It's the it's a it's a forgetting to to ask ourselves like who am I? Right? When I was born, I didn't have this name, right? Who you know that this was given to me. You know, this body doesn't look the same that it looks like looked 10 years ago. But I'm I'm still here, right? Sometimes I am, I am more frustrated or I feel anger. Um, but what is that which feels that? You know. And you know, other great question is kind of around does that which is aware of our experience need any effort in being itself in order to be itself right so these this inquiry is 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 just a, a way of asking us to look in a way that we may not have looked before and to consider what might this looking reveal that we've we miss by being caught up in our experience. Yeah. When I was reflecting on the words in your article, preparing for this conversation, had this image of um, being being as an ocean wave. Um, so I just wrote down these words, uh, which I'd be yeah interested to see if, if anything resonates with you. But uh, being as an ocean wave, resting in the rhythm of waves that come in and go out. Some are big, some are small. Sometimes there isn't much going on at all. And ritual is like that, whether it be a spiritual or a creative practice. Somewhere we gather together or somewhere I retreat in solitude. Over time, waves change landscapes, but it doesn't happen in a single moment. We can get stuck in the spirit of doing, which is akin to running down to the ocean with a jar, catching the water from a wave in the container and then believing that we have possession of the wave. You show somebody your jar of water and tell them it's a wave, and they're going to be a bit confused. 
They won't be able to see anything but a jar of water. The wave is uncontainable rhythm. It's a beat. It's a moment. Something that can't be appropriated or owned. No two waves hold the same water, even though they might take a similar form in appearance. Each of these moments is unique in that sense. That's what ritual seems to be to me. We live in a world that expects, demands and wants to control. We gather enough people, take our jars down to the sea and say, oh, there's a big wave coming, everyone quick, let's grab it. We can contain the water, but when, once it enters the jar, it ceases to be a wave. And the waves keep coming, the world keeps breathing and pulsing. And yeah, I get the sense in your article that rest is kind of how we surrender to this awareness of being, the rhythm, the uncontainable nowness, and the waves are, th- are that. Um, mm-hmm. And this, yeah, the question for inquiry is like a wave because it's an experience for now. It might change, you know, you answer it tomorrow, it will be different. Uh, somewhere we experience what is uh, in any given moment. Um, so, yeah, that, <laughs> that was my response to, to your article. Yeah. Just flow of <laughs> flow of words came out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I appreciate you bringing up that word ritual because, you know, ritual can mean many different things uh, for different people. And, you know, as you were reading, what was coming in my mind was was just um, this ritual of inquiry and this ritual of of just being um, is is a is a way of 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 becoming uh, radically rooted in the aliveness of the present moment, right? But not just being rooted in the present moment, but without all of the costumes and masks of identity that we carry with us or that have been given to us, right? Like for a moment, we, we, we set those aside and we allow ourselves to be naked, mm. right? And to bathe in that nakedness and to know ourselves in that wildness, that radiance. And what it, for me, what ritual does is it allows me to remember what's true, right? And when I, when I touch into that remembrance of what's true, when I have to put on the different roles and when I choose to move in different identities, I don't become lost in any of those expressions, but I'm able to allow my awareness of my own inner light to infuse all of those different uh, roles and manifestations and iterations of myself that that I may have to step into in the world, right? Mm. So I think ritual is a is a, a good word for us to continue, you know, just collectively um, to consider like how what are the rituals that allow us to to let go, right? Yeah. To to uh, to 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 feel the weight of the burden of 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 the self lift up right lift off mm. right so we might feel our our oneness so we might feel our our shared our shared being mm. Mm. yeah i've become 
I think more drawn back to this idea of ritual. Um, certainly in in recent months, have you read uh, the disappearance of ritual by Byung Chul Han? Mm-hmm. So it really got me thinking a lot about um, these differences between. So he talks about the difference between sort of festival and event, and how, and this kind of led me then to distinguishing between like a spirit of expectancy and a entitlement of expectation and how there's there's difference difference between expectancy and expectation and a ritual is a place of expectancy where you come with an openness to whatever might be um and you are drawn to that repetitive thing that you know whether it's a meditation practice or a um kind of collective worship or something like that with a within a group and you you that it's kind of like the train tracks that then allow things to happen whereas expectation is like event um where there's almost a performance aspect and there's an entitlement aspect where you go to get something and it's again it's that becomingness that doingness you you go in order to get a result it's very goal focused Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I was just really struck by the fact that maybe as, as a lot of society, we've moved towards that kind of, uh, that expectation, that event mentality where we want to be fed. We want to be given the stuff we want, uh, to know, okay, this is how you get from here to there and then become this thing. Um, and actually the, there's so much more, I don't know joy and connection and potential surprise play creativity all of that great stuff when you mm. you rock up in a with a with a spirit of ritual um yeah i mean and i think you know what you're pointing to kind of speaks to what i consider is just a expression of people feeling like they don't belong right mm. Like when we don't feel like we belong, um, there's this longing that just drives us. There's this longing for connection, longing to be seen, longing to be heard, longing to feel well, longing to to have basic needs met. Yeah. Like when when there's not a, a sense of of you know, in longing for community, longing for connection. Like when those fun that fundamental. Uh, I, I would even say like instinctual desire to belong um, isn't recognized and affirmed in some way, then it's, 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 it leaves us with, with no other choice, but to seek. Right. And I, I think what, you know, spiritual practice, contemplative practice offers is um, this, ability for us to connect to a sense of belonging that that is rooted in our our own um our own aliveness but it's not personal it doesn't belong to us if i can use that word again it's it's not a personal belonging it's a belonging that that roots us and opens us to our larger uh shared reality um, and I, so I, I think a lot of the, you know, e- e- even in spiritual communities, like 
a lot of the doing comes from attempt to feel in the the sense of incompleteness, not belonging. So I'm always interested in like what are the rituals, what are the practices that that connect can can root us in our fundamental wholeness, but also that that pushes us back into an awareness of that wholeness doesn't stop with the individual. It, it, in order for us to really truly step into our wholeness, we must we must know ourselves to be not separate from the other. Mm. Mm. And do you have any sort of go-to practices and, and things that can help, like say someone's listening to this and thinking, yeah, that this all sounds good, but I'm still like, how do I get that? How do I feel like I to get that sense of belonging when I don't feel it? Yeah. I mean, I think the, the, the first first place that we start is is here you know it's like how what what type of what type of uh inner climate do exists with within within us and when i say that be a little more clear because i didn't really make sense uh, I, I guess i'm saying is how are we making space for ourselves to to really be who we are in our brokenness, in our in our confusion, in our um, our longing for connection, are we are we are we making space for those things to 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 be known and to be touched? And can we learn to look at them with eyes of understanding and 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 deep you know uh, gentleness? Because when we can make space for, for our own suffering, then we'll also begin to taste our goodness and we'll begin to see that our suffering is not our only experience. And then with that, just from my personal experience, we'll begin to, we'll begin to learn how to water our being with seeds of gentleness seeds of kindness you know uh seeds of uh, of love right so i guess what i'm saying is starting first by noticing how we relate to our minds our hearts and our bodies mm. and then what that does is eventually will allow us to 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 have a more a, a a clear um inner compass that kind of points us into the directions in our lives where okay I, I i feel welcomed in this community maybe this this is a place for me it allows us to be more honest in our relationships so we 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 no longer put ourselves in places where we aren't really being seen and heard and having an opportunity to see others and hear others mm. yeah so I, I don't I don't I don't have a particular go do this, but I do encourage us to 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 understand um, that what slowing down and what meditation does it is that it allows us uh, to become more intimate 
with not just what's happening in our experience, but how we're relating to what's happening in our experience and gives us the agency to shift how we're relating and shift out of reacting to experience and to responding to our experience with clarity and with, with compassion. Mm. And for me, yeah. as those seeds of clarity and compassion begin to blossom, then we begin to feel more, more whole. In terms of slowing down, um, do you have any, any kind of techniques or things that you do just to sort of pull yourself back from the pace? I don't know if you experience a lot of the mad pace of the world around you, but like, you know, I know for me and for a lot of people, it's like this, this frenetic energy that's often there and it's easy to get caught up in. Um, yeah. Do you have any ways to anchor back into a slowness? Yeah. So for me, ritual and routines, right? So, I, you know, I've, I was just talking, I was talking to my dad the other day, you know, I, you know, I, I feel like one of the things that our society is lacking is our ability to collectively have a, a, a have sacred moments moments when we're we're not on the clock moments when we're not um tending to anyone else moments when um you know we're 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 not uh you know um feeling uh feeling our our minds with um what's what what we need to do next moments when you know our bodies can belong to us and we're not being in service to another's needs, right? And the way that I kind of access those moments of sacredness is the routine and ritual. So it's like, what, like, what's your morning routine like? Do you need to wake up earlier, right? Um, when you wake up, what do you do, right? Um, what what connects, what allows you to to slow down when you wake up, right? Because one of the first things, you know, we can wake up is like our to-do list begins. Um, but can we pause before getting out of bed? Can we feel our bodies in the bed when we first wake up, right? When our feet touch the ground in the morning, are we aware of whether or not that the temperature of the floor is cool or, or warm, right? Little moments of, of, of pausing, right? But, you know, more concrete, like, having a morning routine has been something that has been essential to my path and my practice It's I, I know every day when I wake up, no matter how early I have to wake up, I have to be somewhere at eight o'clock. Then that means in my routine is 90 minutes, you know, and I need, to, it takes 30 minutes to get somewhere. I know I need to be up by five 30 because I do a, I have a yoga asana practice that I do every morning. Um, I, it's my goal to meditate every morning, like formal, like sitting down um, at my altar every morning. Um, but that doesn't always happen. But my asana practice always happens, right? Um, I, my meditation practice is a little more fluid now. I don't, when I allow the moments to naturally arise in the in the day where I take time. But I offer incense in the morning, right? I offer incense to my mom. I offer incense to my dad and my grandparents you know, my spiritual ancestors. That's a part of ritual. And even if it's a five minute lighting and being present with the flame, 
being present with the candle, fully allowing yourself to smell the incense, right? And really touching into an intention in your heart, right? So all, all of those for me create moments in which I can unhook from being in motion. My body stops, I connect with my heart. And the more I do that, my mind becomes radiant, right? Mm. But for some people, it might be waking up and going for a walk in nature, right? Some people might be waking up and jump roping for 10 minutes. It's not about necessarily what you do. It's about how you do it. Who are you being? How are you being? What are you, what are you nurturing through what you're doing, right? Yeah. And is that giving you, is that meeting your needs to help you to be well, right? Yeah. Mm. That's great. Yeah, and I love the fact you've just added that at the end because i was just i was listening to you you know talking about your practice and i was thinking yeah that, that's what i need to do to <laughs> to to be more rested and calm and it's like no, it's not about that it's a as you say it's about how it's about how you do what it is that you do and it's setting that intention and connecting with what is it that whether it's what is it that my body wants to do how like where am i where am I currently feeling like I'm rushing where I don't want to be um, rushing? And it's one of my biggest bugbears with um, the notion of productivity is how so often we talk about productivity and we end up um, doing more, feeling more rushed, feeling more like putting more on our to-do lists. And actually the question you've got to ask when you, when there's like some time management hack or a productivity tool or whatever is how is this allowing me to slow down with the thing that I want to be doing mm-hmm. and if it's not why not and often mm-hmm. it's it's like I oh know it just means we can be more efficient and then add something else and we're constantly adding and just that pressure becomes more and more it's like and then you end up rushing through those. I love the that description this description that you gave of the offering incense. It's like the the sensory connection to that that can't be rushed because you you know you're smelling it, you're connecting, you're like everything. You're you're engaged with all of your senses in that process, in that ritual. And that's yeah, great. Yeah. Ah, well, this is yeah, this has been so cool. I really appreciate you giving your time to chat through this stuff i talk about this all day um where can people kind of connect with you and do you have anything that um yeah you kind of offer as ways to connect yeah so uh, if you check out my website um rashidhughes.com r-a-s-h-i-d-h-u-g-h-e-s.com that's my website you can read like my articles um just learn a little bit about my journey um, you can also connect to uh, just some some of the things that I'm doing in 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 the world through my website. Um, but mostly, I, I encourage people to to follow me on Instagram. They have Instagram. Um, my tag is at just be and breathe. Um, J U S T B E A N D breathe B R E A T H E, um, and. Yeah, uh, I'm on Facebook as well under my name. And, you know, I, 
I facilitate retreats. Um, I have a retreat coming up with Mich Michelle Cassandra Johnson in February. Uh, that's going to be, it's a seven, I think, five or seven day retreat, which is going to be really wonderful. So, yeah, so social media is probably the best way to stay connected with me. Yeah. Amazing. Cool. Well, thank you, Rashid. Uh, yeah, this has just been great. So, yeah, I really appreciate it. A huge thank you to Rashid Hughes for joining me for that conversation. Um, I hope you found it as inspiring and encouraging and hopeful as I did. Um, it was something that, yeah, it just felt really good uh, to to speak with Rashid. And uh, as a we recorded the conversation at the end of the week. It was a Friday, sort of late afternoon, my time. It's just like the perfect way to... Uh, bridge into the weekend for me yeah I loved exploring those ideas and hearing Rashid's take on things and his philosophy and the way that that then um, comes out in practical ways as well really great to explore that idea of uh, ritual um, and uh, yeah contemplative practice and and all of that sort of stuff so do go and check out Rashid's website rashidhughes.com um, and his Instagram page, uh, which you will find just be and breathe. Uh, all one word is his uh, Instagram handle. So I want to finish this episode um, by sharing one of the inquiries that he uh, wrote in the article, uh, the Garrison Institute article that he shared. Um, and just to allow that to, to sit with us as we kind of come into land in this episode. Allow yourself to simply become available for this inquiry. Don't try to change anything about yourself or rush to fill in the inquiry with an answer. Rest in the availability of your being. Rest in the aliveness of being. What is that which is aware of your experience? Allow yourself to simply become available for this inquiry. Is what is aware of your experience naturally present? and aware is that which is aware synonymous with your presence or is it different from you inquire slowly notice how all the answers that come up in your mind are also known by that which is aware of your experience Don't try to change anything about yourself or rush to fill in the inquiry with an answer. Just rest in the availability of your being. Rest in the aliveness of being. 
you can consider this inquiry when you awaken in the morning, when you are out and about in your daily routine, in your conversations, and as you fall asleep. Let us go a little deeper into inquiry together. Does this aliveness have a name, or is it nameless? Can you find any shape, size, colour or location to reference it? Take your time. There is no rush. Where is this aliveness's beginning or centre? Can you find its edges? What about its age or health status? Does it have a race or class? Just inquire slowly. If you become tired or fatigued from this inquiry, it could be a sign that you're exerting too much mental energy towards discovering something that you can grasp onto with your mind as the correct answer. Being is not a mental discovery, but a recognition of what is already here, now. I encourage you to let the frustration and tiredness be an invitation to stop, to surrender being the doer of the inquiry, and to maybe go and do something that brings you joy can always return to this inquiry at a later moment. Rashid finishes the article with the words, I stand firm, ten toes down, in saying that inquiring into the beingness of being and learning to rest there consciously is one emergent pathway to beholding the world with new eyes. I really hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you've connected with the music from it, this is from my Rest at the Fireside uh, program. So if you'd like an invitation to come home to your creative and playful spirit in a uh, moderately structured pattern with me for the next three to six months, I encourage you to check that out. We will explore and create together. Locate the little personal pathways that might get overlooked in a life of restless noise and external pressures and expectations. Learn more at the-haven.co slash fireside. And get in touch with any reflections that you have on this episode as well. You can uh, contact me through the contact form on the website andymort.com through social media or in the comments on the episode page. Uh, for this particular show until next time remember that you're an artist the world needs your art now go and make somebody's day bye bye